You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the status, and the time in 39 years the boston bruins have won the stanley cup talking bruins and nhl sure old-time hockey like it is sure with writer and producer brian d felice brian d felice is an emerging talent bridget prude yeah he's a little bit on the hot seat Burn him! and weei.com bruins writer scott mclaughlin oh, great scott lace him up for some bees talk right now i'm a damn the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 130 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Scott McLaughlin. Bridget Pru is uh, broadcasting tonight, so she is not with us. But Scott, the the Bruins were handed their second loss of the season to the Maple, uh, by the Maple Leafs tonight, two to one, in, up in Toronto. Um. We're obviously going to touch a lot on the the Mitchell Miller saga that 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 kind of dropped yesterday and bled into today and is going to continue to be a topic of conversation, um, you know, until something changes. But I guess we'll start with the game. Um, David Krejci makes the return to the lineup. Uh, he looked like he had been out for a little bit. He didn't seem too sharp. Um, I thought the Bruins as a, as a team. We're pretty dull, pretty sloppy tonight, and we'll get into maybe some off-ice reasons as to why that may be. But on the ice, they just they just weren't the team uh, we've seen for the majority of this season. And again, that's bound to happen. It's a long season. We don't expect them to be, you know, gangbusters all season long. But uh, I guess just your initial takeaways from from the loss tonight. Yeah, they just seem to be a step slow on on pretty much everything. They were losing races to pucks. They were losing battles on the Ford. Uh, on the boards uh power play was especially slow both you know whether it was skating with the puck or, or passing everything just seemed off um you know and, and like you said like you wonder if the whole mitchell miller thing was was a distraction um you know did that get them off their game they're they're coming rolling on seven straight wins um obviously there's there could be plenty of other explanations it's uh, the third and final game of, of a road trip, or I guess technically it was the fourth game of a road trip, but they came back home after the Columbus game. So I kind of count this only as a three game road trip. Um, you know, so it was, the, it was third game of a road trip. Uh, Toronto was a good, you know, I think pretty desperate team. This is obviously a big game for them. Uh, hockey night in Canada Bruins coming in. Um, but yeah, just just an odd game. Like everything was just off. I think they only had they only had seven shots on goal in each period, and like even the third period, they 
you know, they had the puck, they had possession, they got a couple power plays. Toronto only had two shots, and yet even still, the Bruins only managed to get seven shots on goal. Like it, there just didn't seem to be a lot of desperation there. Like even, you know, despite your first two periods not being great, they still had a chance in the third. Like still a one goal game, and yet they just didn't seem to be able to to really generate much of anything offensively. I thought they struggled through the neutral zone all night. Um, you know, give credit to Toronto. They played good team defense, but I didn't really think the Bruins did, did enough to test them. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was two teams that were just in the, in two completely different mindsets tonight um, from watching this game, Toronto on one hand, they've had a lot of scrutiny so far this season up in Toronto because of their play. And you just knew that for them, this was a very, very, very important game for them. Um, You know, they got up for it. The Bruins, in addition to already being one of Toronto's big rivalries over the last five, six seasons, and knowing that they're a divisional opponent and an opponent that in all likelihood will be a team they'd have to go through at some point in the playoffs if they want to get over some hurdles. Um, but the Bruins are also off to a 10 and one start best team in the league in many metrics. And they wanted to show themselves and, and, you know, their fans up in Toronto that they were capable of playing a, a tight defensive game. And and they did. I mean, yeah, I think, I don't think Boston played very well. I think they had their own, they, they didn't help themselves, but I do think Toronto had great stick position, um, on the penalty kill, Toronto was very assertive, very aggressive, making Boston make decisions before they wanted to. Um, but on the other hand, for the Bruins, they just came into this game with every reason in the world to feel good about themselves. And then, of course, the last 24, 36 hours has been a nightmare for the Bruins from a PR perspective and justifiably so. But that has nothing to do with the you know, 20 or so players who dressed tonight for the Bruins. Um, but they have to deal with it. And so it was just a, you know, a situation where Toronto had every reason in the world to, to win this game. The Bruins had every reason in the world to lose it. And even with that said, the Bruins, like you said, they were right there at the end. They're shot away with the goalie pulled. I guess let's start with the first Austin Matthews goal. Um, Brandon Carlo kind of gets tangled up behind the net. You, you hate to see, we talk about it all the time when you have that kind of size you just hate to see him on his backside. It just, it just doesn't. It's just not a not a great sight to see. Um, loose coverage in front of the net and a squeaky goal on Allmark short side by Matthews. I mean, I'm not going to put that completely on Allmark, but probably a goal he would want back. But all around, kind of just a lackluster play, and that was a theme in the second goal. But we'll get to that in a little bit too. Yeah, and even with Carlo going down, I mean, Carlos kind of it's sort of a two-on-one battle in Toronto's favor. I think it was Bunning who was down low with Matthews. Even with Carlo going down and, and you know, eventually losing that puck, Bruin, and this, again, would be a theme of the second goal, like the Bruins still had a chance to shut the play down. Grizzlick kind of gets caught at the wrong, at the wrong post. Um, and then A.J. Greer looks like he's back to potentially be able to make a play but sort of gets caught watching and Matthews just walks right to right to the other side of the net from where Grizzly was and tucks it past Allmark. Um, 
you know, it certainly seemed like Greer could have come down lower and shut that post off. I think he had plenty of time. And, you know, I don't know if he was hanging back in case there was a trailer that, you know, Matthews might have made a pass to, but there really wasn't anyone coming. So it kind of just ends up looking like, you know, like he was sort of just standing around puck watching, which obviously is uh, not a great look. No, it wasn't a great look at all. Pretty soft goal for the Bruins to give up. Um, Unforced, really. Eventually, they tie the game. Uh, Bruins are on the power play. And then I think I think it was Pasternak sent Marchand in um, for a breakaway opportunity. And he gets tripped up. They give him a penalty shot. And he goes down. Um, was it uh, Samsonov? Is that who their goalie is? Yeah. Um, you know, forehand, backhand. Apparently, he with- goes by Samsonov now. He changed his name again. When he was in Washington, he clear, clarified that it was pronounced Samsonov. And now he's in Toronto, and apparently he told me up there it's Samsonov. So, well, I, I mean, don't know. Something about the exchange rate, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Sergey Sergey went by Samsonov, unless that was just us saying that incorrectly. But Did, I, there was a thing like after Samsonov retired or like later in his career or something after he left Boston, where I think he also said that it technically should have been Samsonov. Very, hmm. very weird. They're gonna make up. They're gonna make up their minds. Um, but in any event, so yeah. So Martian comes down to the penalty shot. Comes down with some, you know, decent speed. And you, if you're a goaltender in that situation, you have to respect the quick release, the quick shot that Martian oftentimes does in breakaways, um, and is very successful at doing. But he did do the little pump fake and went backhand. Nice, nice finish. One one. Um, I saw a- after the game, he said that his original plan was to shoot was to just take the shot and i think he said he saw it looked like samson samson i was kind of cheating and bid on it and that's yeah. when he decided to go backhand well i think that's that's kind of the right way to approach a breakaway in my opinion as well Is like if you go down knowing you're gonna you're gonna go into deke i just feel like it's the goalie can kind of tell I, I think i think if you go down there with the intention to shoot and then you decide to fake fake them out if you're faking yourself out, there's a good chance the goal is going to be faked out too, right? You just kind of take what's given to you. Yeah. Also, like a, a weird thing with Martian in those situations, I saw, I I didn't I forget who tweeted it, so I I apologize to them, but um, he now has the the second most penalty shot goals in NHL history with six. He's tied with Mario Lemieux. Only Pavel Bure has more. And in his career, he's shooting 60, I think 67% on um, on penalty shots. He's six of nine for his career. And yet in shootouts, he's only like 20%. So it's like, really? Some, somehow he is like great at penalty shots and not very good at shootouts, which is just bizarre. Yeah, that is. That is. I Without looking it up, I would have told you he was pretty successful in the shootouts, but... Maybe he maybe he's been better in the second half of his career. I don't know. That's surprising to me that he's. I thought he's a good shootout player, but maybe maybe he does have struggles. Um, yeah, and and I don't I don't think twenty percent is like awful. I think that's probably about no. average or so. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not. It's not bad. Um, but so that was his eight hundredth NHL career point as well in that play. Just quick thoughts on that. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, a, it's an impressive number, and you know, I don't. Like you think about it, like a thousand points is like obviously a huge marker that, you know, 
you get there, everyone celebrates and it's absolutely in play for him to get there. You know, that's probably this season and, and two more, if he's, you know, scoring at even like a 60, 70 point pace. So like he's going to get there and you just think about, you know, how his career started, like as a fourth line grinder and it, it you know, it's, it's impressive. Obviously he's been one of the top offensive players in the NHL for, for a while now for, you know, over half a decade. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's probably, if he can stay healthy, he's probably going to end up getting to that mark. Yeah. If he's healthy, I mean, if he's healthy, I mean, him finishing the season this year in, in the eight seventies isn't out of the question, obviously. I mean, that's, you know, he could, he could be yeah. at eight seventy eight eighty by, by season's end, which is just kind of like, when you think of it like that, to think he's going to, that he could possibly get that many more points this season is crazy, but it, I mean, that's how it works. Um, and also then, the other thing I thought of, cause like right, either right before that or right after that tonight, uh, Alex Ovechkin scored his 787th career goal. So it's like, you think about like the great career Martian has had and now at 800 points. And then it's like Ovechkin's has almost that many goals alone. <laughs> like it's, Oh yeah. It's insane. It's just it, it, like, it, it was just kind of one of those juxtapositions where it's like, Oh yeah. Like it, those, those numbers that he's putting up really are like truly insane. Yeah. I mean, Ovechkin's Ovechkin's tenure is, uh I don't want to say we take it for granted, but I think we kind of do a little bit. Um, we've been fortunate enough to kind of, you know, watch him and Crosby throughout the last 16 years, 15, 16, 17 years. And I mean, Ovechkin's going to go down to history, but, but they're both going to go down the history books for, for many different reasons. But you're, you're talking about potentially the greatest goal scorer of all time when all is said and done. So let's not over, overlook that. Yeah. Um, I think especially era adjusted, I think, mm -hmm. like, I think he probably already has that title realistically, but obviously if he actually does close in on it or eventually pass Gretzky, then it's, it's not even up for debate. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. I mean, it's it's really it's really tough to to compare and contrast across across generations, across across eras, because you the easiest way to go about it is be like, well, how how was this guy for his time, right? I mean, it, it, it it's like the age old question, like you know, people say Bobby Orr is the greatest, one of the greatest players of all time, greatest defenseman of all time, and it's like, and, and I'm not disputing that, <laughs> but it's like you know, if, if Bobby Orr was dropped into this league. But you can't – it's not fair. You can't do that. He didn't have the same things um, available to him when it comes to, you know, training and equipment and all that shit. So it's like it's not – you just can't really do it. But what you can what you can say, though, is objectively it's it's the hardest to score in the, NH the NHL that it ever has been in the past. I mean, it's just it's just a fact the, the, how big the goalies are, how athletic they are. Um, I mean, hell, back in the 70s, there were shots going in from, the, from center ice on the reg. So it's um, – yeah, very, very, very impressive. And what's even more impressive, not to go off on an Ovechkin thing, but it's like <laughs> there's not a ton of deception to a lot of his goals. Like you know what you know what he's doing. Like especially in the power play, he's been there for 15 years, and they just don't go to him. I mean, Pasternak's been successful in that circle for a couple of years, and there and you see teams already gravitating towards him. So I don't know why Ovechkin gets off scotch free, but hey, whatever. Um, so Marshan ties it. I guess before we get to the second Austin Matthews goal. I kept asking myself throughout the game, Scott, if a Bruins forward was in the dressing room or something, because it just felt like there was not there was no rhythm to the Bruins offense. And it also seemed like like when the Bruins have been going so well this season, I mean the the, the prior eleven games, honestly, um 
it just felt like all four lines were hopping over the boards and doing their thing. But tonight, it just felt like there was a lot of mixing and matching. And yeah, there was penalties and and it kind of got the lines jumbled up and this and that. But there was never a forward in a locker. But it just felt like one shift you had Zaka on a fourth line, and you had create. It just you know it. And I, I that comes to my mind real quick. But it was like a lot of different combinations. It was like why why are there so many combinations? Is nobody hurt? And there weren't, yeah. there weren't a million penalties. There was like probably what three at three per team. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, exactly. Three per team. Um, yeah, I mean, Marche missed one shift with an equipment issue, but that was it. So um, I also thought I thought it was an especially quiet game for the for the bottom six. Like, and this was a game that was just screaming out for that kind of like momentum changing shift. Like, might not have needed them to. You know, you didn't necessarily need Charlie Coyle to score in a fifth straight game. He didn't necessarily need someone on the fourth line to score, but I thought that this game was screaming for one of those two lines or both of them to just like have like a great energy shift that helps swing some momentum. And it really never happened. Like I just thought those lines are quiet. Like we just didn't see, didn't see a ton of physicality on the four check. Didn't see them like really get the cycle going. And you know, again, that kind of comes back to the whole team sort of just chasing the game all night. Like it, it, you can't, you can't do those things if you're not on the front foot, if you're not arriving on time on the four check. And they were just like a, a half step or even a full step too slow all game. So you kind of just end up chasing, and you never really get that chance to to kind of assert yourself. Yeah, it, it just seems like on television that Toronto is just. Uh... They were just, you know, half a step better than Boston tonight in, in the speed category. It just felt like they were on pucks quicker than Boston. They were making their D, you know, move the puck quicker than they wanted to. And, and when they did, they were putting it into traffic. And, that, and the Bruins just weren't able to get their transition game going. And uh, so, you know, in that in that respect, you got to tip your cap to Toronto. I mean, they, they, they forced the Bruins to make mistakes. They were sort of um, – they acted instead of reacting. But in the same vein, I – I bring up the the defense. My oh my, Scott the uh, the Mike Riley Zaboral tandem is fucking brutal, and I'm sorry to uh, sorry to get a little um, you know vulgar there, but shit, they were they were. It's just tough to watch them in their own zone. It Zaboral has been brutal, brutal. Like, I mean, go back, not you in particular, but. If you want to go back and watch the game and just watch all the passes he gives to his wingers where he's just setting them up for failure. It's like you might as well just dump it back into yourself because there's you're, you're you're giving it to a guy who's got a defenseman pinching on him. And it was just it was shift after shift. And I understand there's a numbers issue right now with Forbert out and McAvoy out and this and that. But uh, those two are an issue on the ice together. Yeah. Little trip to stats corner here. Uh, 11.06, Riley and Zaboro played together at 5-on-5 five on, five on Saturday night. Bruins got outshot 8-2 during that time, had 11% of expected goals, scoring chances 4-1 to one Toronto, high danger chances 2-0 Toronto. Like, yeah, it, it, it wasn't good. And, and we talked about this last podcast about how, you know, until McAvoy returns, which, I don't know, could be sometime this week, maybe the following week. We still don't know exactly. 
Um, you got to get something out of Riley Zaboral Strawman. You have to find something among those three that works because you can't just have like a, you can't just have a third pair in that you don't trust that, you know, that you only want to throw out there like 12 minutes a night. Like that's, it's not good enough. So, you know, especially when you only have one of those real minutes eating guys in your top four in Lindholm, whereas like everyone else is sort of, you'd prefer to have them, you know, around 18 to 20 minutes. Um, someone's going to step up in that group. And so far it's not, it just isn't really happening. Strawman was the odd man out tonight and we know why he was struggling. Um, to your point, Zaboro really hasn't looked good all year. And, you know, this was his first game back in, in a while. So like you wonder about rust, but shouldn't really be an excuse. Like he's got to be able to come in and take advantage. And I, I guess maybe, by default, Riley's been like the best of those three, but he's not really blowing the doors off anyone either. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really know what they, what they do here, other than just hope McAvoy comes back sooner than later. But obviously, you don't you don't want to rush him. Like he, he comes back when he's a hundred percent and ready to go. But um, until that happens, like they they have to try to get at least two of these three at the bottom of the roster going. You know, I don't know what it is with Mike Riley. I, for whatever reason, I, I just have a little soft spot for him. It's, I, I don't know if it's cause I feel for him cause he got waived or whatever, but I, I just, I just, I just know what his ceiling is. Like he's not, he's not, he's, he's just, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a third D pair puck moving guy in the right situation. Like he's not, He's not physical. It's not in his nature. Um, I've said in the past, like he skates, like he's got a piano on his back and it's just sometimes it just looks like he's getting worn down by the opposing forwards. Like he's, when he has time and space, he's fine. I don't hate the player. I just, I don't expect that much out of Mike Riley, especially defensively. And I know he's defenseman, so that's not good. But, but with, with Zaboral, it's like, you know, we talked about this with Jack Stanika. Like when you get your opportunities, you have to take advantage of it no matter when it is. And, and it's just, he's not he's not 22 he's not 23 i mean he's hell he might not even be 24 zaboro's probably 26 i think he was in the rust draft class so you're talking about a guy who's 26 years old if not if he's, he's not 26 25. he's about to turn it he's 25 turning 26 in february all right so yeah all intents and purposes he's, he's 26 year old man he's not an 18 year old kid and i know he's had injury issues throughout his career but at this point it's like you know when when the bruins drafted him a lot of his, a lot of his draft highlights was like, he, he, he just looked like an absolute like rock back there. Like he, he, he was physical. He was, um, you know, he, 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 he just looked like a man amongst boys playing in juniors and he just had a, 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 a mature build, but he doesn't use his physicality at all at the NHL level. He gets pushed around by anybody. I mean, Kerfoot, Marner, whomever, Nylander, it doesn't matter who the hell it is. Like, Anybody on skate just pushes them around, and and I'm sorry, but when you're, when you're, when the team's healthy, probably seventh at best on the defensive depth chart, um, and I, I'd say he's probably lower than that. You gotta you gotta bring more to the table, man. Like it's it's there's no offense to his game production wise, and 
I know it was his first game back, but you know what? He wasn't doing it earlier in the year either. And if you take away that first that first pawn hockey game in the preseason against Philadelphia, it's like he's he's done shit. And whatever. I'm, I mean, I, I don't want to waste so much time on Zavor, but he he needs to be a lot better. I I only, I expect so much out of Riley, and it's not that I expect that much out of Zabor either, but like there is that aspect to his game where he's still trying to prove himself. And when you're trying to prove yourself, you better be fucking like moving your feet and just being engaged. And he's just, he's just out. He, he's out to lunch. He's just out there for a skate. And it's just not, I, I can't stand to watch that. Cause, cause you're replacing somebody like Derek Forbert, who, um, you know, every shift just kind of gives it his all um, and whatever. So I'll, I'll get off the Riley and Zaboro, but they stood out to me heavily tonight. They were just so bad. So bad. Okay. That said, Austin Matthews scores his second goal of the game, ends up being the game winner on the power play. Um, William Nylander takes a puck down the right wing boards. Great speed. Um, that said, Lindholm still kept him to the outside and, and forced him around that. And and when that happens, you got to kind of assume that when a guy's going around on his forehand side, there's a good chance he's going to shovel to the front of the net. And no sick is, you know, He's looking at the popcorn guy in the stands. I don't know who the other defenseman was on the ice. The, uh, Carlo. It was Carlo. You know, it's like, all right, well, so if Lindholm is following Nylander, Brandon, where are you? Um, Nosek, where are you? Where, you're not picking up your guy in the slot who just happens to be a 60-goal scorer, for Christ's sake. So not going to blame that one at all, Mark, obviously. That was just defensive poor coverage. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and and again, like even with you know, like you said, like Lindholm keeps until the outside, but even with Nylander getting around him, two other guys have an opportunity to to kill this play and don't. And again, with the awareness, like same thing with Greer kind of hanging back, even though there was no one to cover. Like Carlo almost peels off towards the circle, like as if the pass was going to come out that way for like a one timer from the dot or something, but there was no one there. Like, I, so I don't know why he was peeling off the post. It's like, cut off the post. Like, take take that away first. And instead, he leaves a passing lane wide open to the slot. And then, to your point, like, Nosek just seemed to give up on the back check. And it's like, hey, like, that's that's Austin Matthews right there. Like, you might want to, you know, get close enough to lift his stick or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh lack of it lack of attention to detail and you know we've talked about it in the past you can't really read into everything too much because it's a long season just like we don't proclaim them Stanley Cup champions when they get off to a 10 and 1 start like you know when they go through um struggles throughout an individual game we're not going to harp on it too much we're just going to you know talk about it and bring it up i'm not you know overly concerned but it's just uh it's what led to their loss tonight uh, among other things because like we've said, they didn't play great um, in any aspect, but yet, and I, I bet I bet you Toronto's sitting there in their locker room saying, "That's exactly how we want to play. That's one of the best teams in the league. They're after the best start this year, and you know we're we're proving a lot of people that we are capable of playing this way." And it's like, I guarantee you, Toronto took a lot of pride in their game tonight, and yep. the Bruins sucked, and yet the Bruins were a shot away at the goalie pulled. So, 
Um, yeah, I mean, Scott, I think we're kind of both like just salivating to discuss the the the, the soup du jour. Um, did you have any other takeaways from the game before we get into that, or or any thoughts on anything else? No, I mean, we might as well might as well dive into Mitchell Miller because, uh, you know, so right away this was just kind of came out of nowhere, very odd signing that the Bruins announced on Friday. I think it was just before noon that they announced it. Um, then Don Sweeney meets with the media, you know, tries to explain why they decided to do this. Um, but a ton of stuff has come up in, you know, the 36 hours since, uh, including the fact that, the Bru- uh so actually Sweeney acknowledged this on the Zoom calls, said that he did not talk to the victim or the victim's parents, uh, which right away should have been the red flag. Like I don't know how you don't even attempt to reach out or, or try to have that conversation. Um, because obviously she's at least the mother is not hard to reach. She has talked to multiple media outlets now over the last two days. So um, you know, and she has said that she would talk to Bruins players, but she now no longer has any interest in talking to Don Sweeney. Um, certainly seems like she would have been had that, had they tried to have that conversation beforehand. Then, you know, we also hear from Bruins players. Uh, first there was a clip Friday night that Sportsnet tweeted of, uh, an interview that Patrice Bergeron did with Elliot Friedman where he said that, you know, basically he was on the fence and had concerns that it went against their culture. Um, Bergeron talked again on Saturday pregame, as did Nick Foligno and Brad Marchand. And all all three definitely expressed some level of trepidation. Uh, Foligno basically straight up said that it was it was tough on, on the team to hear the news of the signing and that, um, you know, that they, he said like, he doesn't think anyone was really happy about it. Um, and then the third shooter drop comes from, uh, a press conference with commissioner Gary Bettman over in Finland, where he's asked about it and reveals that the Bruins never consulted with the league before, uh, signing Miller. And he said that, Miller is not currently eligible to play in the NHL that Gary Bettman and the league office would have to conduct their own review before he's cleared. He said there, there was, there will be a lot that he needs to see before clearing him to be NHL eligible. So just seems like the Bruins missed a lot of boxes and I don't know if they felt rushed to get this done somehow because you know, it does sound like there are other teams interested. The fact that the Bruins gave him a three-year entry-level contract with uh, maximum signing bonuses and maximum AHL salary indicates that they, I guess, thought they were bidding against someone. So you wonder, like, did they rush into it without doing, you know, all the homework that they really should have done without talking to all the people they really should have talked to? Um, 
but yeah, there's obviously been significant backlash from fans, media, whoever. Um, my personal opinion is that it was a mistake. I don't think I cannot possibly imagine that whatever upside this kid has outweighs all this negativity that they've now brought on themselves. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll get into more, but what, what, what were, what were kind of your initial thoughts, Brian? I mean, my, so I'm not going to lie. When I first saw the, the Bruins tweet out that they signed this kid, um, I, I just, I didn't know who it was. Um, I, didn't really follow the story when it, when it happened. Um, but the second I started to do my due diligence and, and figure out what this was all about, I I was just beside myself. I'm like, I guess my reaction, Scott, was not even why. It was, if I'm being honest, it was, it was like, what the fuck are these guys doing is what my honest reaction was. Like, you have, you have a team off to a 10 and one start without some of your best players and you sit there and you go, how can we screw this up? How, how can we, how this is, this is too good to be true. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta go out and sign a former fourth round defensive prospect. 11, uh, 111th overall. Like the, first of all, what the kid did if you're asking my opinion, like in no, in no planet where I have any say is that kid in the league. Um, and this is not, this is not me pandering like other people, like, like, like people like to do when shit like this happens where they all just want to, you know, join the crowd with the pitchforks and torches. But like all joking aside, like, you know, if this kid did what is being discussed and, and said that he did, and there was a court case over it, um, and it wasn't one occasion, like absolutely not. This kid's not in my team. Um, I guess when it comes as it pertains to the Bruins, it's like, what, like, what were they, why, what are you, what are you doing? What, what, what is this? Do you need this kid? Do, do you need this kid to, to, to pump up your system? You're going to like, you're going to, you're going to take this PR hit and you know, if they didn't know this was coming, then they're, they're even dumber than, than I already think that they are. It's like, there's, and 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 you first of all Sweeney's Zoom call, uh, I didn't like any of his answers. Now I don't know who spearheaded this. I don't know if it's if it's if it's Cam Neely telling Don Don I want this kid in the I want this kid in the farm system, sign him and we're gonna take the blowback. I don't like I don't know what or if it was Don himself. I don't know or a combination. I don't know, but he never really answered any of the questions you guys asked him like adequately in my opinion. It was, it was a lot, it was a lot of word vomit and um, like, as it pertains to, you know, the community programs they want him to do, it's like, and, and somebody followed up with what programs, well, we're going to keep that confidential out of respect to the pro what, what the, what do the programs care? Like, like it just, it's all, it's, 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 it's very, very frustrating to me. It made no sense that they did this. You're adding a, you're adding a distraction to a team that, that, has nothing to do with this action of you guys signing them. Um, and, and to make matters. And then you go and you crawl, you know, you, you, you go and you make Patrice Bergeron, 
a guy who has busted his balls for you guys for 19, 20 years, and you're going to make him go talk with Elliot Friedman in Toronto and, and, and have to answer for your guys' actions. It, it, it honestly, it, it's, it's, I've never been so pissed off at, at, at this team in my entire life. Um, it, it, we, we're going to get into it more and, and, and unravel a bit, unravel it, but it's just like, it's, I was just so pissed off for many yeah. reasons, many on, reasons. On the Bergeron thing, I, I don't know this for a fact, but my educated guess is that he actually wanted to do that interview with Friedman. Um, I, I, like, I don't, I certainly don't think the Bruins forced him to do that. I think he probably wanted to get out ahead of it and make sure he addressed it on day one, even before uh, pregame media availability on Saturday. Um, you know, and I think, again, my read, just, just a guess, I don't know this for a fact, but, I feel like Bergeron's holding back, honestly, like because he doesn't want to totally throw the front office under the bus. But like I hear him say I was on the fence or, you know, my first thought was that it goes against the culture to me. Like I hear that and I read that as like he was very much on one side of the fence and his thoughts are probably still that it goes against our culture. Um, that probably wasn't just a first thought. Um, you know, and I guess like people have probably seen all the details, you know, I guess it's maybe worth just briefly touching on it. Like he was accused of bullying, uh, a classmate who was black and who was developmentally disabled. Um, the accusations from, from that kid and from his parents are that it happened over, many years included racial slurs and physical abuse. And then obviously the most disgusting part that was, uh, you know, specifically included in the court case back in 2016 was an incident where he and another kid um, tricked the victim uh, into licking a, like a push pop, a candy push pop that had been wiped in a urinal. Um, obviously, just like, you know, I think w- one of the reactions to all this that I've hated the most is the, like, oh, so, like, you didn't do anything stupid in eighth grade, and it's like, dude, there, like, there is, like, a huge difference between doing something stupid in eighth grade, which, yes, we all probably did, and doing this, like, just above and beyond, like above and beyond bullying, quite frankly, like it's, it's a hate crime really. And you know, like eighth grade, 14 years old, you're not, you're not seven or eight. Like you, you, you know, right from wrong at that point, you, you know what racism is like, you, you know, you know, there's the allegations that he like repeat, repeatedly used the N word. Like, you know what that word is if you're using it. So, um, and then you get into, okay, well, how has he changed since then? And this is where I think we don't, we don't have a ton of information, but what we do know is that according to the victim's mother, there was no apology, uh, in all that time since then, uh, until about a week ago. And it was a message over Snapchat, I guess. And, <laughs> 
tried to claim that it had nothing to do with hockey, which is pretty clearly a lie because like he was obviously already talking to NHL teams at that time and knew like he had to apologize if he was going to sign with one. So um, like you mentioned, like there's these vague community programs that have been referenced and it's like, well, at some point, like someone's got to describe what those are because that's kind of like all you have to go on in terms of like, what, what has this kid actually done to, to better himself and to become a better person? And like, look, I think it's possible that, you know, for someone to come back from something like that and become a better person. Like, I do think that's possible, but we have to see it. And I'm just not convinced that we've seen it. I'm not convinced that the Bruins have seen it quite frankly. Um, You know, I do know that. So he was the USHL player of the year and defenseman of the year last season with uh, the Tri-City Storm. And there are stories out of there that he was a good teammate and was very much in line and, you know, showed no signs of like being, a, I guess, like a bad, like showed signs of growing up and trying to be a pet, better person. So, okay, like there's, there's some stories there to that side of it, but you just, you better be damn sure if you're the Bruins that a, he has already taken a lot of steps and B will be committed to continuing to do so. And again, like I can only speak for myself. Like I haven't seen enough. Like I don't see where that evidence is. And, um, you know, the fact that he didn't apologize until a week ago when NHL offers were on the table is just, it's pretty damning to me because the the other the other kid who was involved uh, in that incident with the push pop, he apologized in in person at their house, like right after the court case. So it's like okay, like what was stopping him from doing that at that time or literally any time since then? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let me make my uh, my opinion perfectly clear. I don't care if Mitchell Miller is the next coming of Bobby Orr. The Boston Bruins should be embarrassed if this kid ever – they should already be embarrassed. This kid should never, ever play a game for the Boston Bruins. They should be ashamed of themselves that they've even put themselves in this position. They should be embarrassed. And as far as the Bergeron thing, what I more so meant was – the fact that he even had to answer for it in the first place, whether it was his yeah, his call of the teams, right. like the fact that he has to prep for a fucking game in Toronto and he's dealing with these with these questions because of the doings of Sweeney and Neely and others, it's it's bullshit. Um, same goes for the for the rest of the team. As far as Mitchell Miller goes, I think the kid's a fucking punk. Personally, um, I think that it's very very evident to me that it's a classic situation of apologize because you have to because because he, he wants to play hockey. It's 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 uh you go you go to confession at in, at the church at, at 
two o'clock on a Tuesday when there's nobody there. And then the, the priest goes, all right, say three Hail Marys and, and, and that's your penance or whatever. It's like the kid, he, he's doing the bare minimum to say that he's, you know, uh, a quote, a, a phrase that the Bruins like to use for other things is check boxes. Um, he, he, he's checking off a list, send a Snapchat message, apologize. There's no, there's no, there's no remorse. There's no, there's not a genuine bone in this kid's body about what he did. And, and, and I'll tell you something. If he does feel bad, I bet you he feels bad for himself that he's going through this, as opposed to feeling feeling sorry for the actual victim of the situation. The kid, well, like, the, the kid. certainly, like at the time. I mean, if you read like the court decisions, the the magistrate in that case, because there was a court demanded apology, it was like part of the of the settlement or whatever, and the magistrate straight up said in court, like, I don't sense any genuine remorse from you. Um, again, so that was at the time that was 2016 when he's 14 years old, but to your point, like, again, we just don't, there's nothing that we see to indicate that that ever changed at any point, you know, the way, like the interviews that, um, that the, the victim's mother is given where she says, uh, you know, like there was no contact. They never got any sense that he was sorry. Like. No. In, until the Snapchat message or whatever, it, it's yeah. I mean, I, I I just cannot believe that the Bruins, I guess, thought his talent like made this worth it. But it's like that's how? the problem. How that that that's that's the million dollar. That's the problem, Scott. It 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 doesn't matter how talented the kid is. You 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 are damaging the reputation of of a hundred year old organization. You're damaging the reputation of the team that's currently has a locker room full of players like Patrice Bergeron, who has done everything for this organization for 20 years. He, he is the model professional and now his team's reputation is taking a hit. And guess what? Not that Bergeron's name is being dragged, but he's part of the Bruins and players, all these players that as they say, they're all in it together for, for better or worse. It's like as an organization, and these players are part of this organization. The organization is being dragged to the mud over this. And by these guys are, I don't want to say guilty by association because they're not guilty. They didn't do anything wrong. I'm just saying, like, as far as media goes, like they're dragging the Boston Bruins. Well, let me ask you a question, Scott. Who, whose face do do average fans think of when they think of the Boston Bruins? They don't. Yeah, they don't, players. They don't, they don't. They don't think of the um, the junior, you know, scout development of international. They think of Bergeron and, and others. And and that's and that's that's what that pisses me off. And, and to your point earlier, in the statement, the kid that the Bruins released, how many goddamn times is this kid gonna say, "When I was fourteen, when I was in eighth grade"? How many times is Don Sweeney gonna say that in 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 a Zoom? Let me. First of all, when I was fourteen years old, I was a freshman in high school. Now, granted, I was young for my grade. But I was four years remo- uh, away from going to college. Fourteen years old is fourteen years old. It's not. It's not six. It's not four. Hell, it's not even eight or ten. Like it, you're fourteen years old. Like you said earlier, you know right from wrong. I, I can't. I can't even fathom ever ever treating somebody the way that this kid and his buddy treated this kid. I don't, I don't give a shit who, 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 who they're bullying it. You, it's like the fact that the individual that in this circumstance that they bullied obviously had, um, I guess, you know, developmental disabilities and this and that. And 
and that and 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 that that just makes me see red that they did that to this kid. But make no mistake about it, nobody under any circumstance should ever be 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 bullied and, and nothing pisses me off in life more than than that type of shit. I can't stand it. And this kid just seems like a little entitled little punk who you know just was always good at hockey and just never just has no has no sense of reality and 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 what's right and wrong in this world and you see is you know i i obviously i, I google him at during during this to see what the kid looks like right put a face to the name and man maybe it's just a sixth sense i have i'm pretty good at reading people but i look at this kid's this kid's mugshot for his um you know his 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 hockey pictures and stuff and I've seen a ton of kids in my day that look like that, and they were all they're all punks. He just has a smug look to him, and I just I, I just whatever the, the the whole situation. They should be embarrassed. They really should. Like what what do they what do they expect? You're gonna you need to tell me. Bergeron comes back this year. Krejci comes back this year. You're clearly going for it all, and you're gonna you're gonna throw this distraction at this team right now for 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 a defense prospect that like. We hope we'll never even see a day in the league, and but it's it's like, are you serious? You want to restock the farm system? Start at center ice. <laughs> like, what 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 are we even doing? And this nothing about this makes sense. And and I, I hated the Bruce Cassidy firing, and but Jim Montgomery wasn't hired at the time. So like now that I know it's Jim Montgomery that replaced him, it's like and he's doing a good job. It's 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 different story. I hated the way they handled the Bruce Cassidy firing, and I hate the way that they're handling this. There's, they, there's no accountability. They throw Don on a zoom call with you guys and he doesn't have to answer any, he, he, he just, like I said, word vomit. Neely's never found at least Bill Belichick, say what you want. He's on the radio with EEI every single week. He talks to the media every single week. Um, like Kim Neely hasn't even talked to the media in like the last like seven years, aside from like two ownership brass press conferences where he has his buddies aside next to him to kind of, you know, cushion the blows with each other. Yeah, it just, he usually does bad. like, he usually does the end of season press conference, but that that's, that's about it. But do you think, do you think, do you think this is, um, if they don't release this, if they don't get rid of this kid, do you think, do you think any of them? And I guess we'll start with Sweeney. Is it grounds for firing? Personally, personally, I think it's bullshit. And I, I think it shows a severe lack of character and it tells me all the, all they care about is you know is talent and it's like it, it, it's it's on it's also insulting to the fan base because like we we don't we don't want a stanley cup at all costs i don't want to cheer for a kid to, to win us to hoist the stanley cup if this is who he is i don't give a shit i, I, I want the, if this if the bruins in five years now have if burge has gone five years and a couple other play, key players that i grew up watching are gone in five years and this kid's on the team and a couple other kids that i don't even know right now I could give two shits if they go 0 and 82. Like, I don't want to – you you cheer for the team, yes, but you cheer for, like, the players that you actually care about because they're good people and they're good professionals. This kid, if he's in the Bruins, I don't want to see him win a Stanley Cup. So it's yeah. like they insult the fans too. Yeah, and they make it – they put everyone in a very uncomfortable situation Like because, like, now you have fans who, you know, are so excited about this team's start, and now they're like – uncomfortable almost like cheering like you you cheer for the players but it's like ugh, but like i hate this thing that my team just did 
it puts the players in the uncomfortable situation of answering questions about it and, you know, having to kind of come to grips with this. Um, Kevin Paul Dupont in the Globe reported that Bergeron called the team meeting Saturday morning to to talk about it. It's like that that's not stuff like you, you want to be dealing with. And as far as, you know, whether there's grounds for firing, I guess to me that that comes down to like how involved was Charlie Jacobs, which I would love. There's, there's another president I'd love to hear from, uh, you know, I would like to hear more from Cam Neely than just a statement. And I feel like this has already gotten up to the level where we should hear from ownership. Um, I would like to know how involved Charlie Jacobs was like, was he, did this get to him and he was hands-on in this process and review and investigating and whatever they had to do, or was it, they give him a heads up and he tells them, you know, Hey, as long as, you know, as long as you make sure you cover all your bases and, and uh, you know, look under every rock, you can sign them because if that's the case, then I could see Charlie Jacobs circling back. Now that we find out, they didn't talk to the victim or his family. They didn't talk to the NHL. I, like I, I get to see Charlie Jacobs looping back and being like, guys, what, the, what the hell happened? Why didn't we, why didn't we know that? Why didn't we talk to these people? Like what, what were we doing? And if that's the case, then uh, I could potentially see it being, you know, something that leads to Sweeney and or Neely being dismissed. Um, but I would say, like, if you're Charlie Jacobs, it, it better be for that and not just as, like, a scapegoat move. Like, if Charlie Jacobs was involved in all this and, and had his hands in it, then, you know, then then it's on you. Like, you're you're the highest-ranking guy there. So, ultimately, then then it comes to you if you were hands-on. I mean, Scott, like, if you're, if you're the owner of the team, and now – Again, we can't speculate what what the owners knew and didn't know, but I would imagine that they did know. I don't I don't think Sweeney and, and or Neely are signing this kid without the approval of, of ownership, which just goes to show they're they're out to lunch too. But like, you know, the Bruins rep as an owner of the team, their business, their reputation was severely damaged today and yesterday. And that's at the doing of Neely and Sweeney and possibly themselves. But man, it's just, it's, uh, it's very, very aggravating. It's very, I'm very, I'm very pissed off about it because it's just, it's so unnecessary. It's like, man, I don't really know. I mean, like, okay, ready? How, how about this for being tone deaf? Bergeron, Marshan, and Felino, they all spoke about it before the game today. Bergeron was asked, actually, he kind of, he was asked about the situation, but then he kind of went on his own and said, Don approached him a week ago. So your captain and a player of this team for almost 20 years, you approached last week about it. And Bergeron even told him that he didn't, he didn't like it. You can bet your ass Marshand echoed that and Felino, anybody that they asked, they, they knew the players didn't like this, okay? Clearly, Don Sweeney's conflicted about it. They didn't run it by the league. He's apparently not even necessarily eligible for the NHL in the, or the AHL. He has to go through more other stuff. Which, by the way, I saw Greg Wyshynski had another update on that Saturday night where 
he said the the NHLPA is looking for more explanation in terms of basically like the grounds that Gary Batman is holding him out on because there there hadn't been any sort of memo to teams that like hey this guy's gonna face discipline or whatever so um you know it's this is kind of one of those things where like PAs have to fight for it even as really scummy as it seems but i guess like if you're looking at it from their perspective it's like okay if you're gonna if you're basically gonna ban any player from playing like there needs to be like an actual official policy reasoning whatever in in place to do it yeah so so let's just go down the checklist here the players didn't agree with it and they don't like it you didn't run it by the league you didn't reach out to the victim or their family about this to get their side of the story and how it would make them feel. Cause quite frankly, they didn't give a shit how it made them feel. And your explanation of Miller's apology in relationship with the current victim or current relationship with the victim was an apology, which was via Snapchat. Oh, and how is this for being tone deaf, Scott? I, I read this somewhere or I heard this somewhere. So I, Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I heard or read that the CEO of Rapid7, who is the Bruins' new um, sponsor on the jersey patches and all that stuff, and that the CEO of Rapid7 is black and has a um, disabled child as well. Um, So it's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And he said at the at the press conference where they unveiled the jersey sponsor, um, I was there and I was one of the ones interviewing him. And he said that, you know, one of the parts that he was most excited for the sponsorship was the Bruins' involvement in hockey is for everyone. And he was looking forward to, um, you know, basically like his company being involved in that. And I believe the Bruins, like uh, hockey is I think it might be like the league wide hockey is for everyone night. I think that's coming up soon. And it's just like, again, like that's the kind of thing that it, it sort of rings hollow now. It's like, well, how, uh, you know, how much do you really value that? Like if you're signing this kid and another part that we haven't touched on yet in, in Sweeney's, you know, I think you called it like word vomit he talked about like his father being in at working in education his whole life and how, you know, he would see his father like have to suspend kids, but then welcome them back and work with them to improve themselves. And how like he, you know, he thought of that like in making this decision. And it's like, well, yeah, when you work in education, that's part of the job. Like you, you are tasked with helping kids who may be having, trouble who may be doing bad things and like you can't just excommunicate them from your life if they're still going to be in your school or your district or whatever um as an angel general manager that is not really part of your job like if if it were your own prospect like if it were someone you, you already had a relationship with as a team i could see where you might want to like work with them and try to get them back on track but to go out of your way and sign someone, it's like, so, so what? So like now is there like an organizational philosophy where you're going to take chances on, you know, troubled draft prospects because you want to help them get their life on track. Like that's, 
it's not really your job. Like that's you know, like you talk about you talk about like this culture and how much how valued it is, and it's like I was on with um with Ken Lay and Kyrie Thompson on WEI this morning, and they asked like, is is there any sort of precedent? Is there anything we can look at for like how the Bruins have handled something like like this in the past? And I was sort of stumped trying to think of it, and I'm like. I don't think it's happened because part of their culture that they've built since they signed the down Chara is like, they just don't bring in people like this. Like they, they value character and they bring in good people, whether that's trades, free agent signings, draft picks for the most part. It's like, I still like have not been able to think of another in- instance like this, where they brought in someone who had like major character flaws in or, you know, like significant uh, trouble, like in their past. Uh, I just think like part of what they've built is like, it, it, it's not like they're bringing in people like this and rehabbing them. It's that they just haven't brought people in, like this in period. No, totally. It's like, and and, and another part of, of his press conference or Zoom call, I should say, Scott from Don Sweeney was when he was like, well, you know, uh, other at the end of the day, other teams were interested, so you know we figured, uh, why not the Boston Bruins? Why not? Then don't let someone else sign them. Why not? Because I don't know. Maybe you you hold yourself to a higher standard than other teams in the league. Maybe you're an original six and you've been around for a hundred years, and and you have some of the best leaders in the league in your locker room. Like, like, so it's the classic. Like, all right, so they jump off a bridge, you're gonna jump off two there, Donnie. Right. It's just it's just so disingenuous and and and. You know, the whole trying to spin it into like, you know, you know, we want to, you know, make see if you can be a better person. It's like, get the fuck out of here, dude. Like, you, you're trying to spin it like, you're not, you're not, you're, you're a hockey team. Like, stop trying to act like you're, you're trying to be a charity for this kid and, and try to help him turn his life around. Like, this kid could turn his life around. Go get a real job in the real world. And, 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 and you know, it's just, it's just so, so annoying. It's, it's, it's at the end, at the end of the day, from a, from a moral, an ethical perspective signing this kid is wrong and what that kid did is wrong. And you want to talk about second chances, go earn a second chance in life elsewhere. You lost your privilege to play in the national hockey league because you weren't an eight year old kid when you did this a and B he's not remorseful. He's saying he, he he's half-ass apologizing because he wants to, you know, check boxes and, 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 and tell people like Sweeney, yeah, I, I reached out to him. Okay, thanks. I'll pick up a Logan at six. It's like, and then from a business perspective, it's just a absolute PR nightmare that they that they welcomed in for no reason. It just it's so stupid. They are so dumb, so dumb. Like, oh my god! I, I'll tell you what, Scott. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of. Um, you know, F you Sweeney chant at the garden on Tuesday, just because if any city is going to, going to do something like that, it could be, it could be Boston. Like they are not afraid to voice their displeasure with somebody and they know he's up there. Right. So like, could you imagine if, if like there's a game on Nesson or whatever, and like the Brewers are on their bench and Sweeney's up and all of a sudden you're fuck you Sweeney. Like I could, I guarantee you it could happen. Um, It could happen. I don't think yeah. it will, but I wouldn't be surprised because like people are that outraged about this and they know he would hear it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good like, point. Yeah, I, would they, it. I would start that chance. That tells me. They're at home Monday night against St. Louis. So there's 
there's an opportunity there for for messaging. Like I was also just thinking, like you could see signs. You know, someone has a sign up against the like, glass during warmups or something. Um, but, and by the way, also Monday night first game with the reverse retros. So you know, way to totally ruin that. Is like, it Monday who, or Tuesday, Scott? Um, I think Monday, right? They play St. Louis. Okay. Do I have that right? Uh, I'll double, I'll double check, but yeah, first yeah, game. Monday against St. Louis. Okay. Um. But yeah, I mean, I I guess now, like, I wonder where it goes from here because it's not, you know, I I think they should cut ties with him. Like, I I think it's time to to me, it's the only nothing they can do at this point to me makes it right. But that's as close to right as they can get at this point is find a way to cut ties with them. It's not as simple as just tearing up his contract. Um, he would have to, he would either have to agree to it or there have to be some sort of violation of his contract. Um, but you know, you can make it clear to him, like, you know what, like we're going to hold you out. You're, you're not going to play here. And at that point it's like, okay, well if he wants to play hockey again, then he agrees to the, termination or maybe he just maybe he just collects the paycheck and go sits at home like i i don't know who knows but um you know i it doesn't really seem like like this is going away like at first i thought maybe their approach is just like weather the initial storm and you know hope in a week or two people kind of move on or aren't thinking about it or whatever. But I think with all the stuff we've heard over the last two days and sort of mistakes compounding with finding out they didn't talk to the NHL or the victim or his family or whatever, like, I don't know. Now at this point, I feel like doubling down and trying to write it out is just another mistake on top of all the mistakes that have already been made. Well, that, that, and also it's like, dude, what if, like, what if the Providence locker room doesn't want him as a teammate? Like, what yeah. if the Bruins locker room in a, in a couple of years doesn't want this kid as a teammate? Like, there's going to be guys on the team in a few years that are still here like, right right now. That's like, like, they, he's like, what if they just don't want him around? It's like you're force feeding this kid into an organization that he's not wanted. And it's like, whatever, man. It's, it's just, it, I am so beside myself at how stupid the Bruins management is over and over again. It's like, just when you start to give them a little bit of like, I mean, look, the future of the center ice position is still up in the air, but like, like and there's other things too, that they got to figure out going forward after this year. But it's like, you start to get to a point where you're like, all right, let's just enjoy this season and go see where it goes. And it's, they, they just like, they're so dumb. They're so, so, so dumb. I can't even describe it. It's like, it makes it. I've lost IQ points over the last couple of days. Just, thinking about how stupid they are. It's like Sweeney and Neely just think they can't do anything wrong. It's just, you know, and, and again, obviously the Jacobs didn't initiate this. If the, the least, the most that they did was just kind of say, yeah, yeah, whatever. We don't really know what you're talking. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. But like, you know, it was either Sweeney or Neely who was like, we want to bring this kid in. It was probably Sweeney on uh, Neely, honestly. Well, and on the Neely front, like it's also baffling to me because I've seen some people kind of like be like Neely's like a meathead or whatever. And like, 
I actually think Cam Neely generally really cares about the Bruins image, which makes this all the more just completely baffling is like speechless. Yeah. Like I, I think, I think Neely cares about PR and how the team looks and how they received. Like he was the one when they did this uh, Jersey sponsor, he was the one who was like insisting that it basically blend in and that it not have non Bruins colors in it, that it not be, you know, like take up a huge amount of space on the Jersey. Like he was very involved in that process because he cares about the Bruins image and he knew fans would be pissed if like, if it didn't blend in and like at least look somewhat okay on the Jersey. Um, like I just I can't believe that he would have thought that this wasn't going to be a big deal or like would blow over or whatever. It's it's uh, it's it's so mind numbing. Mind numbing is exactly what I was just going to say. It's it's dude, it's baffling. It's mind numbing. I just don't even know what to say. It's like I said, I I, I can only call them stupid as so many times in one episode, but they're just so fucking stupid. Um, they really are. Um. So whatever, it's just, I guess we'll see how it plays out, but it's just, it's so, so unnecessary, so unwarranted. They think they've just brought this on themselves and um, they deserve all the heat that, they, that, that they're getting for this. And then some, again, for a million reasons, from the ethical standpoint, the morale stamp, morality standpoint, the business pr- standpoint, like from a business perspective, it's so dumb. It's just so dumb. So um, did you have anything else before we go, Scott? No, I, I mean, I could probably like do two hours on this, but um, yeah, well, I feel like I feel yeah. like we've gotten gotten everything out that, or I've gotten everything out that I really wanted to say. It's yeah, and we'll have to get Bridget's perspective on this too when she's back with us um, next episode. But it's just, uh, I mean, it, it, dude, it really is. It, I've seen a lot of it on on social media, and like you, you and Bridget know me. Like, like I, I don't. I don't cater to like, you know, the soup du jour that people talk about. Like, I don't, I don't play to the crowd. Like I, I have like, we all do. We all have our own opinions. Like we don't, we don't try to fit in with the crowd. Um, but like one thing I saw on social media that like I, I actually, actually resonated with me. Cause I was like, I actually, I actually for once feel like I see a lot of fake outrage on social media. Um, not about this topic, like like uh, just like random topics. When you go on, so you just see a bunch of people pretending to be upset because they want to join the crowd. One thing I saw today that I actually like felt, and I was like, "That's exactly how I feel." Is like, honestly, like I, for the first time, I was like ashamed to be a fan of the Bruins. Like I was like I was like very very disappointed and like embarrassed and ashamed. Like you know, there's disappointments as a fan, like you know, Game Seven against the the, the Blues, and you know, just like shit like that, but. I, I actually found myself in a situation where I was like, if the Bruins win the Stanley Cup this year, on the one hand, I'm going to get to watch these players that I that I love playing go out there and celebrate a championship. I was like, but then I'm also going to have to see the Jacobs put on a Stanley Cup hat and Sweeney and Neely, and I just can't stand any one of them right now, and I don't want to see those guys succeed. But it's like, it, to your point about like putting the fans in a weird situation now, it's just like, it's so, un, it's like very unfair to a lot of people. Most importantly, the victim who they haven't even reached out to. Um, like, let's not lose sight of the actual, you know, cause here. But it's just, uh, 
Jesus Christ, these guys. Um, they want hey, they they want they wanted people in Boston to talk about the Bruins. They weren't talking about them after ten months. They're talking about them now. So there you go. There's your headline. If you want if you want people to talk about you, but maybe they prefer they they weren't talking about them anymore. Anyway, all right, Scott. I think we're both a little long winded after that after that yeah. one. I don't even remember talking about the game in this episode. I think we did cover it though for the first little bit though. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Bruins are back uh, in Boston, as Scott mentioned, Monday, playing the Blues. They got the uh, reverse retro white Pooh Bear debut, so that'll be fun. Um, But, yeah, so we'll be back to talk about that very soon. Thank you guys for listening.